Yeah, we just had a, a you know the New Year's Eve, and now it's one week has gone by. But uh, praise God for every good thing God sends it our way. Yes. And this morning, let me open the floor to see if there is any praise item on the line. Hallelujah. I just praise God for life. I praise Amen. Him for life. We thank God, Miss Brenda, that you're back home. We are thanking God that uh, everything is under control. We thank God that uh, He will bring you home, one who started a good work in you. Yes, see the completion. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise and praise I can go Sorry, this is Katina, everybody. Sorry, like I'm getting a little cold or something. Um, I just want to praise God for me completing my degree program. I finally turned in my last assignment. (laughs) It has been a long ways coming. I thank him so much for him continuously pressing me on and giving me the strength to be able to go and complete this and I will be able to actually march with my class in May to receive my degree in interior design. So I just want to give him all the praises and glory because without him, I could not have completed it. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. So what is this degree on, Ms. Katina? It's interior design. I have um, I have obtained my associate's degree in interior design. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So all the designs on the line, anyone? Hallelujah. <laughs> 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 now we have like, a, you know, a, a, a full complete list of a, like a, from home decorations to home fixing like mm-hmm. by, by, you know, Ryan. Uh, so uh, we have like a construction work from Andrew. So we're slowly mm-hmm. building our... <laughs> Cyril, that school is going to be the nicest looking school inside because we'll just set Katina to, to yes. fix up the inside of that prison. It will look like an amazing place to live and and go to school. Amen. 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 I, I touch and agree on that, Lord. Yes. Praise God. Praise God. When I was in the hospital, my husband told me, he said, when you get home, you're going to be amazed. He said, Tina has moved everything around and re- and, and rearranged everything. And she just fixed everything. And, and when I got home, and that, that's exactly what had happened. I mean, it was a good look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brenda, that, that was a, that was the last assignment that she submitted to yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what i I could not have done it if it wasn't for for Andrew Andrew came over. I found Andrew's name in her phone, and I remembered uh-huh. that he was the guy that came and, and did all her work for her. I called him up and he came right over and hung drapes and pictures and everything else for me. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, nice. 
Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Yeah. Any other praise items for this week? Yes, I just put on a blouse and it's too big. (laughs) (laughs) What happened here? (laughs) I put it on with a skirt and it wouldn't work. And Maddie said, oh, Greg, put some pants on. Well, I put the pants on and the pants were way too big. So (laughs) this is a blessing. (laughs) That's a good problem. Amen. Amen. This week I did receive an email from one of the girls that is going to college. Her name is Jayla Jackson. I don't know whether um, um, Katina, is she part of this year's team? Jayla Jackson. And normally this this kind of email would have slipped through. Either Katina would get it or uh, um, you know, Jay or Miss Phyllis will get it. But for some reason, I was intrigued by this email because this was a long email. Right? And uh, as I started to read, uh, I was just like uh, amazed by this girl. And I'm amazed by every kid that's going to school, every kid that's going to college through Proverbs 2 to 6 because they all have like so much of struggle in their own life. Mm-hmm. And they still do their best to just like get out of their situation, and they do this um, from from inside. And uh, what intrigued me is that mm-hmm. she's actually taking this break, break from school, and go to Louisiana. She's in Aiken, South Carolina, but uh, she's taking a break and going to Louisiana. And uh, the reason why she's going to Louisiana is because her grandmother lives there. Right. Not only her grandmother lives in Louisiana, but also her father is getting released from prison after a long time. Right. And as he comes home, she wants to go there to settle him because her mother is still in prison. It's amazing how much um, this this is all involved. But what caught my attention in all of this is that uh, she wants to, to to major herself in missionary studies, right? And she is also linking her missionary studies with the culinary, horticulture, and leadership skills. I was thinking, my goodness, as I'm reading through this email, it's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And halfway through, she says that she, in her freshman year, she was a vice president of NAACP and her communication, she's talking about it. And one of the things that caught my attention along the way is that she wants to be a farmer. Mm. Right, and uh, she wants to, you know, align her skills to farming. And so, after like reading through this long email, um, I, I called uh, her um, and talked to her because uh, um, she she mm-hmm. sounded like a, you know someone that we wanted to have like a you know a, a tap into. I wanted to listen to her heart and. Uh, through the conversation back and forth, we were phone tagging at the end of it. 
she is going to, even though she's going to go to Louisiana to welcome her father home, but she will come back to five and two to lead the agriculture portion of the trade for mm-hmm. Proverbs 2 to 6. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? Like how we are seeing God just like a building this, you know, vision one piece at a time. This girl was right under our nose all this time. We never saw her, and we never knew about, like, what the passion for her is. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when God pulls them together, he's pulling all these pieces. And what, what is so amazing for me is to see our own children coming out of Proverbs 2 to 6 become the head of these divisions. Mm-hmm. to lead the mm-hmm. next generation. And so, praise God for, mm-hmm. you know, his mercy and grace. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Cyril, um, I'm not exactly sure, you know, um, what the plan is for culinary, um, because I think culinary is one of the areas also at this um oh that we're going to be seeking. And, you know, um, the Jerian, DJ, mm-hmm. that Correct. is his, yeah, that is his, he is so passionate <laughs> about the Correct. field of culinary arts. And that may exactly. be someone else, too, that we might want to, um, Bring you know. Bring on board. Correct. Yes. Yes. Correct. And then, uh, you know, we have this guy, um, Sivan, doing IT. Um, and so, Many of the skills that we are looking for is 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 already within our reach, mm-hmm. and the passion is there. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah! Praise yes. God! Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. Any other praise item for this week? Hi, I'm I'm Kayla. Um, I am. Uh, thankful to be here this week, um, recovering from surgery about two or three weeks ago, and uh, my fiance and I had COVID shortly afterwards, so I'm just thankful that we're doing well, and um, I can be on the call with you guys again this morning. Praise Lord. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. So glad you're here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're out of COVID, but know this for sure, Kayla. Before this COVID fear is over, every one of us would have been touched at least once by COVID. So don't worry if you got it. <laughs> we are just in the line to get it so that we can get it out of our system. Yeah, that's kind of what I feel. I'm like, I think we just have to all get it once and or twice and, and move on and keep it moving. <laughs> exactly. So. And I, and I, um, Love you all, but I'm not getting it. I rebuke you. I'm not getting it either. Thank you, Ms. Jackson. I'm not getting it either. I said it to myself, and she said that. And I thank you for being bold enough to speak it. You heard me, Ms. Jackson? Uh, Yes, yes. Yes, we heard you. We heard you. Yeah. Uh Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, sign that devil. He sent him back to the pit of hell. Amen. Exactly. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you're with us, though, and that you have recovered and recovering. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Any other 
praise Abram for this week. The conference has Father, been muted. Father God, we come before your throne of grace this morning one more time to just like allow ourselves to be in your feet, Father God. We just wanted to listen to your voice this morning. God, we pray that uh, we will get strengthened, our hearts get strengthened, our spirit gets strengthened, Father God, that uh, we will know you more uh, in, in the in the. the in this days, in these days, Father God, that there is no fear that will just like occupy our hearts, Father God, that we will be bold in our faith, that we would walk, Father God, in your spirit, in everything that we do and say, Father God, let your name be glorified, let your heart be glorified, Father God, today as we read your word and meditate on your word. Father God, these words it doesn't just like a linger just only for a Sunday morning like today, but it will linger through the years to come in our life. Mm-hmm. Father God, when we are down and we need a spirit to hold on to, when we need a word to hold on to, Father God, I pray that these words will come and remind us yeah. and just like a, give us a fresh perspective Every single time that we read the word that you will, Father God, will penetrate into the places of our heart, mind, and soul, that it will do things that you have planned to do in our life. Thank you, Lord. God, we surrender this morning into your mighty hands. You take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. 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 Father, um, uh, the thing is that uh, this last week we started a new study series on the covenants of God. Mm-hmm. There are, these are covenants that are uh, written from the very beginning. It, it starts from the second chapter of the Bible, right after God just like a maid, Elohim, mm-hmm. made this earth into existence or he caused everything into existence he actually had like a purpose behind his creation right mm-hmm. and he explains the purpose behind his creation this big picture that he wants us to understand the, 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 that his perspective maybe miss sarah you want to put yourself on mute oh sorry. a lot of background noise yes yes um, so this big picture that God wants to share, he wants to demon, demonstrate his love for us in these covenants. And there is also the definition of a covenant, even between a man and a man, means like a, it's a binding agreement. It's a covenant. These days, people don't use the word covenant, but they use the contract when, when they want to have like a legal agreement between the uh, um, two people on earth. But God is actually wanting to show how faithful he is through these covenants. There are totally eight covenants that we are going to see, and we've already started off with the first one, the Edenic covenant that we saw last week, and that was in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. We saw how God uh, played 
a role in the creation and what his intent was. He was talking to Adam. We will do a little bit of a recap of that today. And today we will look at the Adamic covenant. And, and the uh, Adamic covenant, it's nothing but, you know, uh, how um, God wants to revive from a mistake that was made. And um, today we will go into details of this Adamic covenant. Then we will go into Noahic covenant in Genesis 9, then Abrahamic covenant in Genesis 12, and Mosaic covenant in Exodus 19, and the land or a Palestine covenant in Deuteronomy 29 and 30, the Vedic covenant uh, in 1 Samuel 7 and 1 Chronicles 17, and the new covenant uh, in Jeremiah 31. And there is like a, several other co- small covenants that we see along the way, like the salt covenant and things like that. As we go through this journey, we will talk even more about these covenants that the, um, God has instituted in the Word of God, right? And that the, we can hear the tug or the heart of God in this covenants. And uh, today, you know, when we look at these covenants, after so many years, after thousands and thousands of years, when we look back at these covenants, it was true not only then, but it is true even today. It is true now. God is just like a working in your life and my life through this covenant. And that's what we're going to see even in more length and detail. And uh, we saw last week that there are two types of covenant. One is a conditional covenant where there is no bargain power that you and I have. God has written certain uh, covenants with certain parts of that covenant will be executed by God and there are certain portions that will be uh, executed or expected out of us. And both of them needs to meet. They both need to meet in the middle. They both need to agree. Otherwise, that covenant becomes nullified. Just like how when you sign a contract today to buy a house, and if you don't pay the mortgage, you're not meeting the covenant. You're not meeting the commitments. You're not meeting the expectation. Then the the covenant just gets nullified at that point, and that uh, there are actions that are taken. There are certain consequences that comes out of that. So there are conditional covenants where there will be an expectation from God, and there will be an expectation and a commitment from us. And then there are unconditional covenants, which are unilateral in nature, where only God is obligated to do and deliver, to provide and to protect. And if we look at these eight covenants that we are doing a study on, two, only two out of the eight are conditional covenants. The remainder six are unconditional covenants. And that's what amazes me. God is in this process of reviving us and restoring us and redeeming us. 
this is this is part of his big gigantic love that we cannot even measure the length of the width and the depth and the height of his love and that's what just like a shows up in these covenants and so there are four covenants that out of the eight is actually related very specifically to a Jewish community or a Jewish people, right? We'll see what they are, but there are four that are not like very centric to the, the children of Israel, right? It applies to all of human race, right? And today, the one that we're going to do today is called Adamic Covenant it applies to every one of us. So that's why we need to pay attention to this Adamic covenant. So let's go do a little bit of recap of the, the, you know, what happened right after the Edenic covenant and why did God just like, a, you know, instituted another covenant for us. So if you have your Bibles, let's go look at these two covenants. This is amazing. Why? Because... The first covenant, the Edenic covenant and the Adamic covenant, they both were done with Adam. And Adam is a common guy. There's no other place that we see God makes a covenant more than once with the same person. Right? One time he makes a covenant inside of the garden, and the second time it is now outside the garden or ready to get them outside the Garden of Eden, right? And if, if we look at these verses in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, very carefully, God has already told them not to eat the fruit that is on that tree, right? That's already done, right? And what, what amazes me, even before I go into this verse, is that there is a guy named Steve Jobs he still wants to remind us every single day with his product, uh, uh, Apple product, uh, iPhones and everything. In fact, at some point in his journey, he is not putting a full apple. He actually have an apple that is bitten, like somebody take a chunk out of that apple. That's why you see, look at the symbol of apple. He is trying to remind us of uh, what happened in the Garden of Eden. These guys can talk. The, 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 the secular world and the scientific world can talk as much as they want about whatever theory that they can have, but they can never go away from the gospel, right? And so here, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1, it says, Now the serpent more, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of the tree, every tree of the garden? Look, this is how the enemy works. He is very subtle. He's not saying, don't, did, did God ask you to eat off of the tree uh, of life? No, 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 he didn't ask that way. He was very subtly asking, making a conversation with the woman, saying, did he say that you shall not eat every tree of the garden? Because he wants her to explain that part of like, yeah, yeah, every tree, but, 
right? So he's not saying or bringing the tree uh, that God didn't want to touch, right? He wants to let her make that decision. He is just like uh, giving room subtly for her to get to that point, right? That's all Satan can do. Satan commonly tempts us to break that relationship with God. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to have us collide and destroy the relationship with God. And that's what he's trying to do. If, if he has talked about the tree of life that God has left in the garden, then he will be caught in the cross examination. God could have asked, who told you about this? Right? And she could have said, Satan told me about this. But really, Satan did not say that. He's saying, like, a, did he say you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Right? Enemy, enemy has been doing this very same trick from Genesis chapter 3. He's not creative. And, and all he's trying to do uh, to the human race is to cause the confusion, cause the doubt, cause the temptation. He's just like a telling, like a don't trust God in this. Right? Isn't that amazing? And that, you know, in our Christian life today, it's about commitment to God. And if God has set a boundary for us not to test with fire, we should not be testing with fire. And if we cannot, you know, um, if God says don't do this, don't do that, or do this, we should be careful to not touch the stretch of that boundary. We cannot have like a one foot in and one foot out. Commitment to the authority of God cannot be compromised from our life. And here's where Eve messed up and gave room for the enemy. In verse 3, it says, But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Right. Here's the thing. She's the one who's bringing the tree in the midst of the garden. That's number one. Number two, if we go back and look at Genesis chapter 2, verses 17, it clearly says, God, when he spoke to Moses, he said, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Right? There is no such thing. If we carefully read it, God never said anything about touching that tree that she is introducing in her sentence, right? You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it. Where did God say not to touch it? See, the thing is this, right? You may turn around and say, come on, Sarah. She wasn't even there. Uh, His rib wasn't even removed by this time. When God spoke to him on Genesis 2.17, Eve did not exist. God, in fact, made Eve after 
he made the statement. And so it could have been Adam did not hear from God clearly. He could have added one or two more sentences when he told Eve, right? The point is not that. The point is we cannot add or delete what God, what God has instituted. We cannot add or delete what is already written in the Word of God. It will be a spiraling down effort if we only God's Word. God has established His Word as a model. Every single word that is written in the Bible has a reason behind it. Every comma, every full stop, everything that is written there has a deeper sense of understanding and wisdom that has been placed in the Word of God. And that's why in the book of Revelations, it says we shall not add or remove anything from the Word of God. When we do, we are not worthy of the kingdom of God. She, she weakened the word of God by adding extra stuff into this word by saying, ah, God told me not only to eat, God told me not even to touch it. So there is some emotional drama that was just like introduced here by Eve. So, but then serpent is very, very, um, very, very cunning, uh, just like what the word says, right? First, he tried to tempt her. He just like a got her into the web now, right? After the tempting, he just like a lures her to say something that wasn't in the original text. So now he has a hook on Eve. He can tell God, look, she didn't even follow uh, uh, your word, and now she's asking for a blessing, right? So that's exactly what... The, the enemy wants to do to you and me. He can just like easily twist and turn the words because that's exactly what he was expecting out of Eve. Now, the fourth verse in Genesis 3 says, he, he just like tells her, you shall not die. You shall not die. He is, he is the master of lies. It's a lie. God, you know, would have to Adam and Eve in that garden forever to enjoy the fellowship. The fact that they actually ate that fruit gave an exit from the garden, which is a separation from God, like what we saw, which led them to this to this death. The, the spiritual death that we saw when we are separated from God, a physical death when our body is separated from soul and spirit, and the eternal death that is the eternal separation from God. And, and that death is exactly what God was talking and instituting when he was telling Adam in Genesis chapter 2, whereas here, he is just like a picking. He did not take any portion of the word. He just like a picked a, a middle of that sentence, and he's saying, you shall not die. This is exactly 
what the enemy also wants to do even today. He wants people to take like not the full context. He wants to take like a piece of the Bible. That's what the secular world is doing. They're taking a small piece of the Bible and they're tearing the entire Bible. And, and, and the thing is that, you know, this is kind of the plan that the enemy has done from the beginning. He will never be able to destroy you and me but he can tempt you and me to separate ourselves from God. And that leads to death. And look at the fifth verse that Satan says. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right? Again, if we read this in the chapter 2, when God spoke to Adam, he never said, he did say that when when they eat off of that fruit, their eyes will be opened. True. But here's what he did. He mixed something along with the truth. He mixed some dirt along with that truth. He said, you will be like God. You will be like God knowing evil and good, good and evil. There's nowhere in chapter 2 God said, I'm going to make Adam and Adam will be the God. The, the, God never said Adam the Almighty. Right? He may have said Bruce the Almighty, but he never said Adam the Almighty. Right? And so here, the, 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 the interjection that, that uh, the enemy has done is this. He's just like introducing additional lies into this. And that uh, it just like gives the temptation even more credibility. Sometimes when we keep hearing the lies from the enemy again and again and again, then we start to believe in the lies that the enemy is trying to say to you and me. There are some things that uh, we fight with. Even last night, I was fighting with something in my head. And uh, throughout the night, I was actually having a conversation with myself with the, over that topic that was bothering me. And I'm sure every one of us on this line that's listening to or everyone that's going to uh, uh, listen in the future online, we all have like a moment in our life where we actually have conversation with us, it's bothering us, it's the same statement repeating, we are still saying the same thing to ourselves, and we are trying to solve this problem, but here's the thing, as we start to say the same thing again and again, we start to add more spice to that story. We start to add more salt along the way, we start to add more uh, variables along the way. We start to add more stuff to the original context in which you started to speak on, right? And that's what Satan is doing here. He's adding more stuff to what God has told Adam and Eve. And this is a problem that we have to be careful with this enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, right? And 
when the way he does is this, he will cause temptation to come in your life first. And that temptation will start to take root in our spirit and soul and our mind. And then we will actually be the one making the mistake. Ah, that girl that looks over there, she looks really nice. A small temptation in your head. Oh, that boy, that man, he's got like a chunky body. Just small temptation goes into your head. And then slowly it's taking root across every part, every cluster of our body. And then we start to put like arms and legs over that stuff. And then eventually we fall and make a mistake. But the enemy did not actually push us. If he's saying go kill somebody, we won't actually do it. But instead he puts the frustration and anger in our heart. I just met with this uh, kid a couple of weeks ago, and he stayed with us. And the thing is that uh, uh, there is so much of anger that is already placed in him and that he's against the system and the society at large. And somewhere in this journey, the enemy has tempted him to go buy a, a gun. And now this kid is not only angry and just like a have like a, a, a wrong notion about some of the things, but now he has access to a gun. And I'm thinking to myself that he's got, if he ever makes a mistake, now enemy has just placed a lot of things in his life. He's got like a lot of access that he's given. And I'm praying more that this guy will come back to his senses. Right? Because enemy, that's all he does. He just like tempts us, tempts us, and tempts us, and he wants us to just like buy into his lies. And then, once we buy into his lie, then we will actually write the story from that point. And he wants us to write the story from that point. In India, uh, the street food in India is very famous, right? And uh, um, there, there is like, a, in the evening, when you come out certain streets, it's like a filled with street food, right? People are like, a, I don't know about now with the COVID, um, I haven't been to India for well over um, two years now, so the COVID would have changed, but I'm talking about pre-COVID times. The people will be buzzing on those, um, uh, on those street foods, and it's tasty. Uh, I don't know the clean part of it. The cleanness is not something I can um, vouch for, but the taste part is still very good. Like, and so here, there's like they, they just like have this street food everywhere, and they would wash their their the pots and pans right behind the, the their cart, and that uh, there's like uh, the flies everywhere, um, and, and, and so. In order to save their food from flies, they have this blue color light, right? And you can hear from time to time there is a buzzing noise, you know? So these flies that are in there would come closer to that blue light and then just like it gets smashed and then falls down. 
And and the thing is that if you think about it, the the trick to have those flies fall down to come and get attracted to the blue light what what was there and is there and will be there. They come in, they would have seen their uncle fall down by hitting that blue light. They would have seen their mom and dad hit that blue light and fall down. They they would have seen they could have a pile of flies on the floor and they can avoid going towards the blue light. No. They still go to the blue light and become part of the path. And I'm saying all these things because we do this exact same thing. We do the exact same thing with this enemy. He leads us into temptation. And that's why God says in, in the Lord's prayers, lead us not into temptation. He just wants us to overcome the temptation that the, uh, the enemy puts it in our life. He just wants us to take ourselves off of the action that we may take by getting ourselves into temptation. And here we look at it in verse 6 and 7. And so the women saw, now the lie was introduced before that the temptation then the lie was introduced now the woman is making an action out of that right and the woman saw that the tree was good for food as if there is no other tree in the garden that had good food right that it was pleasant to the eyes even the wrong things will become pleasant in our life in our eyes until we make a mistake, right? And a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her to eat, right? And he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sued. Uh, a fig tree, uh, fig leaves together and made them coverings. Just as God said, things happened. Their eyes were opened and they never became, but they never became like God. The lead to disobedience, the relationship is broken, the character of human nature was corrupted, the dominion under God was lost at this moment in time. That's where today's topic is starting. This is the state of like Adam and Eve. They are now hiding under the bushes. They are now not not sure exactly what is going to happen from here. And there is a guilt that's already placed on their head. And God shows up. And I'm going to read now from Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. And uh, this one chapter, chapter 3, 14 through 19, has so much of content. That's why I was saying that the covenant established, the judgment that is established in Genesis 3, 15, goes all the way to Revelation chapter 22. 
what God said here in Genesis chapter 3 has like, a, you know, ramifications along the way as we go through the different parts of the Bible, as we go through the different times of the Bible, as we go through the different events of the Bible, this thing that what God said in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14, right, verses 14 through 19, was never questioned nor changed. And we are part of this journey. We are part of this. Uh, and that's why it's very important for us to go very slowly at these words. The Bible says in verse 14, So the Lord God said to serpent, So first, every action needs, I mean, every action has consequences attached to it. So after all these things, God's speaking to the serpent, and he says, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put an enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he finished with the serpent. Now he's coming to the woman, and he's saying, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And... Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. He is finished with the woman. And now comes to Adam. He is the one who actually took a covenant with him in the Garden of Eden, so he's now talking to him. And he's saying, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the for out of it you are taken you were taken for dust you are and to dust you shall return amazing this verse is and what it has implications even till this point in our life and for eternity and and the thing is this, that the consequences of their action for, for Adam and Eve, as well as for the, uh, for the serpent, and what is amazing to me in reading that voice is this. The serpent was cursed. The man and the woman, you don't see God cursing the man nor the woman. He actually passed the judgment on them. We will see what those actions are for those judgments that God placed. But God never cursed 
the Adam or Eve. God even said like uh, the ground, the earth, the soil will be cursed because of you, but not, God would never curse his creation. God will never curse you or me. If, if the enemy is just like a putting a thought in your mind that God has cursed you, God would never curse you. Even when we make the worst of our mistakes, God will never punish you, never curse you. Because he delights in you, you and me. And that he would never, ever put a, a hand of curse upon you. Even when it came to Job, he tells the enemy, he tells Satan that don't touch him. You can do everything around. You cannot touch his life. God cares about every single one of us. And we are precious in his eyes. And he tattoos you and me in, his, in the palm of his hands. And he will never, ever curse you. And the thing is this, right? Uh, the curse was definitely on the serpent. And he says, because you've done this, you're cursed more than all the cattle, right? And more than every beast of the field. And I, I don't know whether the, the, the snakes were walking before, but God says no longer you have the legs to walk. You're going to crawl on the floor um, and uh, you will travel with your belly uh, on the floor, right? And you shall eat the dust and, and all the days of your... The stigma associated with the snake right now, the curse that God has placed upon this, this, this creature is that the snake is now representing or a stigma that's created is to represent the evil, right? And it just all began. Can you imagine that if, if uh, um, at any point that snake had realized um, the, the, the mistake and not do what, what he did to that woman, he would not be like what he is today where he gets stomped every single time and he gets killed and people despise. In, in Romans chapter 16, verses 20, there is an revoca uh, irrevocable curse that is placed upon Satan because the act Romans 16 20 says and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet that means you are the head and not the tail what what it means for this enemy for the Satan is that he, he is no longer having a dominion over you and me. No weapon formed against you and me will prosper. The curse here upon Satan is that he is going to be a loser for the rest of the human race. Anybody who follows Satan will lose. We, the one who gave our life to Christ, are more than conqueror, of course. So this is what happened to the, to the snake that tempted that he is just like a curse forever. Now, 
the consequences, if we break this thing down for, for the woman, uh, uh, first the Eve is what he's trying to address. It's like a going from third price, second price, and the first price, right? So he's now going to Eve, and he's saying, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your consumption, right? And, and, and the, you know, here's the thing. The verse next to it says, in pain you shall bring forth children. A lot of times, again, the, the verses, we have to read it very carefully. Yes, he will greatly multiply her sorrow, for sure, and your consumption. He will multiply your consumption. Those are two separate statements. He will greatly multiply your consumption. He never said, he never attached the sorrow to the consumption, but instead he says, in pain you shall bring forth children. Not in the birthing process that he's talking about the pain. He's talking about the pain of raising The, 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 the children can cause pain in our life. Not sometimes, all the time. The children can cause some of our joy to be removed. And, and so the joy of raising children is not an automated process for the woman at this point at least. We need to bring the children under the authority of this covenant. We need to bring our children into the relationship with God. The idea, the idea of role of woman and man is being talked about here uh, and that uh, she needs to be um, under, shall be for your husband and uh, he shall do. That's a topic I don't want to touch today, but we'll come back to it if, uh, you know, if it's pressed on later, we will, we will come back and touch that area. But for today, what we need to understand is this, that the consequences of like what Eve did has just given her a, a, a more than, you know, what she asked for from that fruit. Now, when it comes to judging the man, God says, curse is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both the thorns and thistles it shall be it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Right? And here God is talking about the work, the earth being cursed, the soil being cursed. And that's why I really think when we get on our knees and start to pray, when our knees touch the ground, the ground actually is now getting access to the presence of the Holy God and the ground starts to heal. If there is a problem in your house, if there is a problem in your, in your uh, business, if there is a problem in your marriage, if there is a problem uh, with your health, if there is a problem that you're facing today, as you start to get your knees down and you start to kneel before God and your kneel touch the ground, the earth will get cured, the earth will heal. And when the earth starts to heal, the soil gets to heal 
when the soil gets the heel, the place that we are around is removed of the toxic that is that is being infused upon us. And I know that in times like this, there are so many, even today we talked about like a COVID right before the, the call. And the thing is that when we touch, when our knees touch this ground and ask for the healing, there is a blood that is unblemished blood that is put on the doorpost of every one of our houses and that the enemy will have access, no access to anyone under the authority of God. And, and in fact, in Romans 8, 20 and 22, um, the, the Bible says the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it. Right? And, and it says, for we know the whole creation has been mourning together as in the pain of the childbirth until now. So all these things happened because they gave room to uh, the enemy and they have fallen. And now what does God do at this point? He has two options. He can just like wipe them out completely or he can restore and redeem them. And that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time this morning. All this time, what we did is just like set the context for this. Now, the number one thing that we can be assured of is this. God is the initiator of grace. God is the initiator of grace. When we go back to the chapter 3, verses 7 through 13, right after they finish eating, the food, the the the, um, uh, the apple, right? Their eyes were both of them. The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. What are they doing? They are trying to create a plan. They're trying to make a dress for themselves using fig leaves, right? that don't have, like, any permanence to hide themselves under the bushes. And the verse 8 says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? It's not like when they made a mistake, they went running to God and said, we made a mistake, so sorry, we shouldn't have eaten. Then God would have come up with a different plan. If only they have been that innocent and if only if they have been that open and transparent with God. Sometimes when we make a mistake, we actually want to hide that under the rug. Sometimes we just like don't want to bring that up to the surface. But the thing is that in order for us to get cured from what we are going through in our heart, mind, and soul, we need to bring that back into the presence of the Holy God. I do not know who is listening to this voice this morning or whenever you're listening to this voice, 
Know this for sure. There is no problem that we create is too much for God to handle. The thing is that even when Judas, after he just like made some kind of an agreement with the leaders of the synagogue, he could have easily realized his mistake and has come to God and come to Jesus and said, I made a mistake, God, would you forgive me? If only Judas has asked for forgiveness, he wouldn't have killed him dying upside down. If only we come to God with our problem, with our mistakes, with our with our failures, with our um, with our uh, shortcomings, God is not a God who is out there to to punish us with the rod. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy. He is the initiator of grace, and He is looking now for Adam. He's asking, "Where are you?" So He said, "I heard your voice, God, in the garden." And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Really, think about it. How many times when we make a mistake and the guilt is all over our head and we try to not go to God with every burden. The Bible says, cast your burdens. That doesn't mean that the, the only the problems. It is also the shortfalls. Cast your burdens. In another place, God says, like, uh, uh, you know, take my yoke and learn from it. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is not looking for you and me to carry when it is heavy. God is not looking for us to carry the cross of mistake if only we can give that back to him. And here he says, I'm naked. Right? And and God's immediately asking, not like not that God doesn't know that he made a mistake and eaten that uh, you know apple. Sometimes it's not like God is expecting us to go tell our dirty laundry to Him, but He's wanting to see how open we are. It's not like He doesn't know about our dirty laundry, right? And so He's asking, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you shall not eat? God knew at this point that Adam has messed it up. And he wants to know whether he would acknowledge or he would defend his act. Here's what Adam said. God's question is very, very simple. Did you eat that apple? He's looking for a binary answer. He's looking for a yes-no answer. But instead, this man is saying, the woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. The thing is that he could have redeemed himself even at that point to say, God, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have eaten. I, 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 this is wrong. God, just like, let me go. You know, after this, how can I just like find the mercy to just cover me right now? If only his answer was to 
ask God or acknowledge God for forgiveness for the, the mistakes that he has made, he would have still stayed in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? God doesn't need to do anything at this point. He could have broken the relationship, but he is the God of relationship. He wants to restore the relationship, and he wants to get them back into the fold. And that's why he gives this Adamic covenant, a comprehensive covenant, enough to cover each and every one of us under this covenant. It's a seed covenant that every covenant that we are going to see from here is attached to this covenant. There is a, a very clear linkage from this covenant all the way to the book of Revelation. Right? And this is the covenant that God makes with, uh, that, that amends to the, uh, the, the Edenic covenant. So the first thing that God did is he actually initiated his grace to them. And the second thing that God did is he gave a pathway to redemption. The Adamic covenant is, is simply to overcome whatever the mistakes that were made by Adam and Eve. Everything that God establishes in the word is to redeem you and me to himself. The word of God becomes very personal. The relationship with God is very personal. And we can never, ever you know, question that, that part of um, his, his heart. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why we did a study this Friday on uh, David. Uh, and uh, we said, like, one thing that David did not do, even though he made so many mistakes, but one thing he would never do or you could never make him to do is to worship another god. Right? And that just like a puts an end to several things for God. And, and here, God wants that. He's a jealous God. He wants that relationship only with him. Right? And God didn't save you and me so that we can go to heaven. He saved you and me so we can have a relationship with him. Heaven is, is, is a byproduct. It's not the goal. The relationship is what God was after in this covenant. Heaven is a benefit or a blessing that you and I will have because of the relationship. Being with God is heaven and separated from God is hell. This is an unconditional covenant where God says, even though enemy has led you into temptation, you no longer need to be under his subjugation. I'm going to redeem you from this mess. And here's the covenant. In Genesis chapter 3, verses 15, that's the covenant part. The rest is all like the action and everything. The covenant is actually Genesis 3, 15. It says, I will put an enmity, an open hostility, right? Enmity between you and the woman. And between your seed and her seed, he shall fatally bruise your head, not just like a bruise your head. 
and you shall only bruise his heel. So let me break this up a little bit. No longer serpent, the enemy, have a dominion over human race. That's the promise and a blessing in this covenant. And then God says, the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. God has given the authority to the seed of the woman to destroy and subjugate. Subjugate is a word that means like a conquer, subdue, suppress, defeat, overwhelm, overpower the enemy. That's the good news of this covenant. As long as we live under this covenant with God, then the enemy has no authority over your life and my life. means you can, you and I can break from any of the strongholds of the enemy even today that Satan has left that control. There is no control that God has given to the Satan over your life and my life. If there is a problem in your house today, there is a problem that you're not able to overcome there are times these problems were caused because of our own mistake because we have allowed the temptation to come into our life. And those are the moments we need to turn around because now the enemy has a control over our life and that we have given a free access to the enemy into the areas of our life. Now is the time to turn around and tell the enemy that he belongs to hell. That, that now is the time for us to turn around and tell that the thing that is bothering you can be bound because the Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. The thing is, we are just weakening our messaging with all this uh, name it, claim it, touch it, blah, blah, blah theology. But instead, we need to come back to this theology of the promise that God made to every seed of a woman. That every seed of the woman has a relationship established with the God of this universe. Every seed of this woman has a control over this hostile environment that's created for this enemy. We don't need to play with that enemy. He should be running for his life. He's establishing a path for the seed of the woman to crush the head of the enemy. That's why God could have easily made Jesus appear on the earth. But instead of doing that, he allowed a seed to be put through the Holy Spirit into the womb of a virgin. And that unblemished seed that was placed in the womb of a woman established a path to crush the head of the enemy. He's, he's just like a, making an eternal pathway for you and me in this covenant. 
We don't really need to do anything to earn the redemption. Only if we obey and be in his presence, only if we can just like uh, be with him. There is no uh, major expectation of commitment. Even though we mess up, God is saying, because I've made this covenant with the Adam and Eve, especially with the Eve that the, her seed will crush the head of the enemy. That is the power that he is leaving with you and me today. God is not only the initiator of grace. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He initiated the grace by just like a coming into their life and just like a talking to them. And not only he talked to them, not only he gave this covenant, but he also made a, a, a dress out of his skin and he clothed them. That's what the verse 21 says. Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunic. The Lord made a dress of skin and clothed them. For the first time, an innocent animal was sacrificed who did no wrong and took, and God took the skin and put it on mankind. It is just like a, what foreshadows Christ did on the Calvary. God loves you and me so much. He sent his only begotten son. He, he never wanted us to have eternal death. We may have a little bit bruise on our heel. We may have seen Christ be put on the cross. But the path to redemption, even after we mess up, God is saying, ah, you may cause a little bit of damage of sending my son to the cross, but he will cause an eternal damage by taking every one of my seed into the eternal heaven. He, he, the Christ, will cause the victory over sin and death. No matter what you and I do, God is committed to redeeming our life eternally. This is an unconditional covenant that God made. The devil may have thought has won the victory when Christ died on the cross, but the songwriter, one of the old songwriters, he says, upon the grave he rose, arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Christ arose. Here is the first time. This is the first prophecy, first recorded prophecy in the Bible is Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. The first prophecy that Christ will be coming as a savior or a messiah from the seed of the woman is prophesied in Genesis 3.15. And why is this so important? God that we serve is a covenant God. The Bible that we have in our hand is a covenant book. And you and I 
are the people of that covenant. Everything, if we just like to condense the entire Christian faith, we can condense them into these three sentences, the God whom we serve is the God of covenant. Number two, the word of God that you and I have is the book of the covenant. And you and I are the people of the covenant. If only we understand this is where God is going. This is, is so important for him, not only to just to see us redeemed and restored. He actually have a path for a future that he has sent his only begotten son so that he can take care of this separation. In fact, right after all these things, if we go to the end of the chapter 3, we will see that the, the, the Adam and Eve was sent out of the garden. They were driven out, and he placed the cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree. You know why? In that garden, he not only had the tree of knowledge which Adam and Eve tasted, but also in the garden was the tree of life. Right? If only he had eaten from the tree of life, he would live forever. And God would not allow Adam and Eve to live forever with a corrupted, you know, sin in their life. And so later when we read in Genesis, Jesus is talking about this tree of life that he's going to give. When we get to heaven, we're going to taste the tree of life which gives us access to the eternity and we will have no death afterwards. And that's why when we get to heaven, we're going to live for millions and millions of years because the access to the tree of life was taken from the hands of Adam and Eve at this point in time. And the only time that that access is restored is when we get to heaven. On the streets, on both sides of the streets, we saw last week in Revelation 22, we saw the tree of life was placed for every healing. And you and I will get a taste of it because of the seed of that woman that will crush the head of the serpent. Brother Vince. Thank you, Brother Cyril. Those words and the message from our Lord, from the Word, the Adamic covenant that we learned about today, that if God has set a boundary, we should not test it with fire. That we cannot add or delete what is already written and said by God in his word. That the enemy lies, kills and destroys. And he gave Eve and Adam and the serpent, uh, cursed the serpent, 
gave consequences to Eve and Adam. But through their mistake, he created through his grace and his redemption a pathway through that seed. Because he is the initiator of grace. And he wants to restore the relationship. And he started with both Adam and Eve. And that's why he came up with that covenant. He came into their life. He created the covenant, clothed them. He created a pathway to redemption that overcame that mistake. And that's what he wants for us. That he wants that relationship so much and that heaven is the byproduct. Eternity with God. That 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 enemy has no authority over us. And that the pathway to redemption is through him. Lastly, God is our the covenant God. The word of God, the Bible, is a covenant book. And we are the people of the covenant. Amen. 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 When we look at the word, it's just like what Brother Vince can, uh, you know, condensed the word this morning. Somewhere in the middle, people just like it took the covenant in different direction, but the origination of the covenant is for every human that exists on this earth. And it is established and reestablished several times, even when Jesus, the night before, he was crucified. He bowed before the Lord God, the, the Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, bowed before the Father in humility. And, uh, you know, today, this morning, as we start to pray um, this, this uh, prayer, I just uh, ask you to just like to examine your hearts as I read this prayer um, that, that was so well written. And every time I read this word uh, from this prayer, it just becomes so real, everything that's written in this prayer. So I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Just listen to the words of this prayer because it has something that you need to consume today. Lord Jesus, we bow before you in humility and ask you to examine our hearts today. Show us anything that is not pleasing before you, God. Reveal to us any secret pride, any unconfessed sin, any rebellion or unforgiveness that may be hindering our relationship with you. You know that we are your beloved children, having received you into our hearts and lives and have accepted your death as a penalty for our sinfulness. The price you paid covers us all time. And our desire is to live for you as we take this bread representing your life that was broken for us. We remember and celebrate your faithfulness your faithfulness that gives access to the tree of life. 
to us and to all who receive you. Thank you for your extravagant love and your unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now, and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. Let's take this bread. In the same way, he took this cup, representing, we take this cup, representing your blood, poured out from, your, from a splinted cross. You are the supreme sacrifice for all of our sin, past, present, and the future. Today, we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood you spilled. Let's take this drink. Father, we come before your throne of grace one more time this morning. God, we are so thankful this morning to know, even though, Father God, the access to tree of life was shut down from Adam, but you have kept the tree, the access to the tree for every one of us through your son. God, we are looking forward to the day that we would eat from the tree of life. When we get to heaven, Father God, we are so ready and our appetite is willing to taste that eternal life, Father God, that you have placed before us. God, I pray that this morning over everyone on this line, Father God, if there is anyone on this line that has, Father God, a pain in their body or hearts and the heaviness of their heart. Father God, we as a body of Christ, we just come together and pray in one accord. Father God, we lift up everyone by name that is on this line. God, if there is anyone that needs your touch today, morning, God, we pray that you will just extend your arms and you will touch Every one of us from head to toe, Father God, our mind, our thoughts, Father God, you clarify the doubts, you clear the, the, the uh, iniquities from our life, you block us from our life, Father God, that we would have a detoxed environment in our heart, mind, and soul this morning. God, I pray that you will just like to speak to us this week. Through this word, Father God, give us the assurance when the enemy starts to tempt us that we can actually remind him of Genesis 3.15, that his days are numbered and his place is secured in the bottomless pit. And that uh, 
His head is under our feet, and we are more than conquerors. God, help us to have the boldness in spirit, Father God, as we march into this beautiful week. Give us, God, an assurance this week, Father God, that your presence will go before us. God, we don't want to go where your presence cannot go. We surrender every one of us into your mighty hands. God, you take the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, Father, for your glory. Amen. The conference has been unmuted. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.